treat people as the image of God if they vote the way you vote. If they root for your favorite sports team. If they like that wrestling. No, it says, as believers in Jesus, we should be known by our love because no matter how broken somebody is, we see that although they are warped by sin just the way I am, they are still an image bearer of God. And so we don't write anybody off. We don't push anybody away. We've gotten off track. We've forgotten that Jesus came on a rescue mission because we're all broken and far from perfect. That we're all created by God and bear His image. The reality of this truth should change how you treat people. The details and the differences fall away when you look at people as image bearers. Today, Pastor Daniel urges you not to let anything keep you from seeing others as God does. Amazing image bearers in need of His grace. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Psalms chapter 139 as he continues his message, God created and sustains you. Our culture wants to tell us that you are just biological matter, but the Bible will not let you do that. The Bible says that God created us and God uses biology. Right? And so this reality that God created you changes everything. Because remember I talked about my father-in-law, the architect? The love he had for the drawings he made. Think of any musician, any artist. There's passion involved. And I'm here to tell you, no matter where you are on life's journey right now, no matter how bad life has been, the week has been, no matter how broken things are, no matter how far you may feel from God right now, I'm here to tell you, he created you and he loves you. You're not a mistake, and you're not just biology. You are biological matter that has been created by God. And that changes everything, I believe. When you realize that you're not just, it would happen, you know, like my parents met, and they just, you know, this is what happened. No, it's like God has a plan in this. God is the author behind what your parents did. And when you realize that it changes everything. Now, let me say it this way. We live in a day and age that is very unique, and the world has not always been like this. But because of the polarization of our society, most people today, not everybody, most people look at the world through political lenses. Right? And so you hear something, and you automatically interpret it politically because we're kind of bombarded with polarization. Right? And that may be true for our culture, but for the followers of Jesus, our job is not to begin with politics. Our, God is, our, our job is to begin with the scriptures, spiritual things, and then we want the spiritual things now to filter into our politics. Can I get an amen? Even if you don't believe it, say amen. Okay, thank you very much. So what I'm going to say now if you do not listen to it spiritually from the heart of God and you automatically interpret it politically, some of you are going to get mad at me, probably all of you in some way. But my job is not to be a political commentator. My job is to be a teacher of Scripture. 
to say this is God's heart. So now I'm going to wade into the waters that is going to get me upset, people upset with me. And I will just say, pray for me. And I'm not trying to change your politics. I'm trying to help you understand the Bible, knowing that the Bible will change all of our politics. If we let it. Verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Right? Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, God speaking, before I formed you, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you as a prophet for the nations. Now, what this means, no matter what contemporary politics or culture says, what that means is that when a child is in their mother's womb, it is a person, not an embryo. That's what it means. It is a person who is known by God, a person who is set apart by God. That's what that word consecrated means. And it is a person who is called by God for a specific purpose. Now, because of that, you realize that I just waded in. I, I didn't just wade. I cannonballed into the waters right there. You see what I did there? Here's the deal. The people of God should always be people who are for life from womb to tomb. The whole way. All of us should be because Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundantly. God loves life. God created us for life. So as followers of Jesus, life is always what we care about. So as it relates to issues of abortion, as believers, we should always be compassionately pro-life. Now, I say compassionately because you can be pro-life and be a total jerk. And I'm here to tell you, if you're a pro-life and you're a jerk, you're a problem. Right? So, like, we should always be for life because we realize that that child that is being formed in the womb is a person. Our culture wants to deduce this down to women's rights, right? And as a man, I am not allowed to speak on this. That's what they say. Sorry, didn't get the memo. <laughs> we should always be for life. But I say life from womb to tomb because what you end up having is we have within the politicization, you have people who are for life of the unborn, but they're actually not for life of people who are alive. And it creates a tension. And you see how I just did that? Now everyone's offended. I, I hit everybody right there. It's like everyone's a man of Fusco now. Because it's like what you could say, I'm, I'm for justice for the unborn, but you actually don't care about people dying. And that's what politicization does for you. It's like you're, you're actually not honest on either side. Because you're like, well, you're, you're for life, but you're actually not for helping people when they are alive. And then people are like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And you're like, well, uh, I want to help everyone that was alive, but we're, we don't care about the people who are not alive. It's like, no, they're all alive. They're all being created by God, and we should always be working for life. Why? Because God created that life. God sustains that life. Now, let me say this. 
Because I realize Crossroads, lots of people, different places on their faith journey. If you are here today and you, maybe along the way you had an abortion, I want to tell you there is grace for you. You did not commit the unforgivable sin. God loves you. And if you're walking around, you have shame, you're in pain because of that. Listen, come to Jesus. Let him do the work of healing in you. You are not too far from God. And I want you to know that. Because I realize that what the enemy does is he encourages you to make decisions. And then once you make the decision, he beats you over the head with it. And that's true for all of us, just a matter of what the decision is. Now, if what I just said about God-loving life from womb to tomb, if that provokes your heart, if you get frustrated with me, if, you, if you're like, man, I can't believe you said that, right? Or, or, or something, I believe that the, provo- the provocations of the heart are invitations from Jesus to say, Lord, what do you want to do in me? God, you, like, you read the Bible, the, the prophetic word of God was designed to provoke a response so that God will do a work. And so what I am constantly finding as a student of the scriptures is that God, when I read it, is constantly provoking my heart. And when I get, when I get that, pro, pro, that provoke, like, I can't believe he said that. I listen to a pastor and he says something. I know it's in the word, but I'm like, oh, why would he say that, right? That's God saying, Daniel, I want to change you. I want to do a work in you. But I'm here to tell you, the fact that God created you, that means something. But God didn't just create you. He created every living soul, all sentient beings. God created and sustained everything. So I just wanted to start with that, right? God created. Now, look at what happens next, because we've already read Psalm 139. For you form my inward parts, you covered me, or you wove me in my mother's womb. Verse 14, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Now, I would put these verses under the heading, Behold the image of God. As David is writing about this, he's really expressing a biblical truth about all human beings, which is that human beings are the image of God. And for each one of us, David is aware of the fact. He's like, God, I'm going to praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are amazing. They're marvelous. And even my soul testifies over it. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. He's saying, look, even though, and then he goes on and says, and skillfully wrought or, or intricately put together when I, in the lowest parts of the earth. Now, David does not believe that a child was made in the lowest parts of the earth and like kind of, you know, inserted into the mom. He's speaking about the, the darkness of the womb. And you gotta realize, 3,500 years ago, there was no ultrasounds, 3D pictures of your, of your child in, in, in your womb. It's like, it was like this happened in a place that nobody saw, right? And so he's saying, listen, God, you were completely aware. You were doing marvelous work. And David, in even his limited biological understanding, knew so much about humanity. He's like, I am created marvelously. Like, it's extraordinary. Now, for those of you who like science, Science should make you worship God even more because the job of science is to explain to humans what God already did. So when you realize, and and listen, I am no scientist. I'm not even going to wade in the waters because someone would be like, that's bad science. I'm like, well, I barely made it through biology. I think I slept through biology. And I gave my teacher Twinkies and they gave me a B. And I was like, yes, it's a good move. Some people give their teachers apples. I gave them Twinkies. 
Come on, if you're, all the teachers, they don't want an Apple, do they? No. They want an Amazon gift card and a Twinkie. That's a different discussion. <laughs> but here's what I want to tell you. I don't know a lot about biology. I mean, I read about it, but I wouldn't even try and explain it because I would do it wrong and the science teachers would get mad at me. If you know anything about the human body, you realize that you are completely, com- there's so much complexity in the human body. The way your body works is extraordinary. The, the way all these processes work together, God made us this way. But really what we're saying is David begins to praise God for the creation of his own body because David realizes that he himself, like all other people, are the image of God. Now, I get this from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, the first part of it, where in the creation account, on the sixth day of creation, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. Now, what is fascinating is, notice it says in these verses three times, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. That's where you get it first. Then it says, in his own image, the image of God he created them. So three times you realize that humanity is created in the image and likeness of God. Now, historically within the church, before everyone spoke English as the language of commerce, Latin was uh, one of the most predominant languages within the Roman Empire. And so it's, it's the image of God is the Imago Dei. Look at the person I just say, Imago Dei. Go ahead. Good, you learned Latin at Crossroads today. Dude, I'm doing good today. The person sitting next to you, they're the image of God. Look at them and say, you're the image of God. All the husbands say, I know. <laughs> Don't I know it, baby? Yes. <laughs> this is so fun. I teach you Latin, I make jokes. Brothers and sisters, listen. Not only are the people of God created in the image and likeness of God, but every human being is. Every single human being is a living embodiment of the image of God. Now, all of us, except for Jesus himself, are flawed by sin. So we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are the image of God. And then all, every single one of us, have been warped by sin. It's just a matter of what that sin is and how bad it is. It's all bad because Jesus, if, there was, if, I, was, if I only made one mistake in my entire life, and we all know that's not the truth, If I was the only sinner, Jesus would have still come on a rescue mission. He'd have to give up his life for me because the wages of sin is death. Now, because every single human being is a living embodiment, although a warped version of the image of God, and God created them, should that change the way we interact with people? You bet your bottom dollar, Daddy Warbucks. Like, seriously, We live in a day and age where people have lost the very basis of the gospel that the reason Jesus came on a rescue mission is because God created men and women in his own image according to his own likeness and all of us are warped by sin and he came on a rescue mission. 
And the reality that God not only created each one of us, but every single person is a living, breathing soul who bears the image of God changes the way we treat people. Now, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't say you should treat people as the image of God if they vote the way you vote. If they root for your favorite sports team. If they like that wrestling. No, it says as believers in Jesus, we should be known by our love because no matter how broken somebody is, we see that although they are warped by sin just the way I am, they are still an image bearer of God. And so we don't write anybody off. We don't push anybody away. We don't say, no, you shouldn't be here because of your, the decisions you make because if, none of us should be here because of the decisions we made. This is the gospel. But we live in a day and age, again, because of the polarization of our culture, that we have a tendency to dehumanize people who have different views than us. And I'm here to tell you, that is exactly the way the enemy wants it to work, because the flesh always divides. But God's grace brings together. And I'm not saying we should let everything slide. I'm saying at a base level, the person who you want to demonize, call names, for whatever reason you choose to do that, you have to say, actually, my Bible teaches me that that is the image of God. That they are created and sustained by God. They are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And because of that, even though I don't like all sorts of things that they're doing, all sorts of decisions they're making, I am going to glorify God by seeing his image on that person and not rejecting them out of hand, but saying, doing exactly what God does for us, inviting us in. Not because we deserve it. Gosh, if we only got invited into God's kingdom because we deserve it, Jesus would be the only person in the kingdom. But when we grab hold of the fact, every single person you see strung out on heroin, living in a tent on the street corner, fighting with their family, coming to church, working out at the gym, asking you to sign a petition that you don't want to sign, that person is a living embodiment of the image of God. And brothers and sisters, for those of you who are here who are already followers of Jesus, you know that Jesus came to redeem images that have been warped by sin. And there's nothing, I believe, that the enemy of Jesus and our souls likes more than when the church is willing to demonize a group of people who Jesus died to save. And I'm so grateful we're not like that here at Crossroads. We do not believe that that is God's heart. We do not believe that that is God's plan. We do not believe that God is finished with anybody. If someone's still alive, guess what? They're in the middle chapter still. And we want to be a vehicle for God's love to reach them and his redemption to reach them. I know I needed God's redemption, and I need it today. I need God's grace. I need it more, I need it more today than on the day that I get saved because I'm so much more aware of how much I need it today. I'm so much, because of the presence of the Spirit, I'm so much more aware of how much I fell. Back in the day, I've, I, I did things in ignorance or stupidity, whatever you want to look at it. You know, it's like just a dumb stuff. And now, because of the Spirit of God, I'm like, I do something like, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. Oh, I shouldn't think that. Why did I say that? That's me after every sermon. Why did I say that? You know, and it's like, so I'm aware of the need for grace. But listen, whoever you're fighting, my pastor, John Henry Corgan, I used to love it. He used to say, Daniel, if we're fighting people, we are fighting the wrong battle. 
that's a word. If you're fighting people, you're fighting the wrong battle. Because God is in the redemption business. And it doesn't mean we have to like everybody. It doesn't mean we have to agree with everybody. But we love everybody because God created them and they are the image of God, no matter how warped they are. Now, from there, look at how this passage ends. Verse 16. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Now, this is powerful. And this is why, again, as followers of Jesus, we believe in life. We believe in justice for the unborn. Because David is saying, like a phenomenal artist, like a creator, before David had any substance, it says, your eyes saw me before I was even formed. So like God already sees who David is, what he's going to become. The days that D- David had was already, before he had even had one day, before he was, even, he was born, God already knew how many days, what those days were going to entail, how many breaths he was going to take, how many hairs were going to be on his head. All that stuff was already known. And he, and he says, when as yet there were none of them. So now we see kind of the convergence of God's omniscience, God's all-knowing, God's omnipresence, God's ever-presence, and God's omnipotence right here now. Because he's like, look, before I, I was even, before I even existed, you saw my substance. Even though I'm being knit together miraculously in my mother's womb, you were doing it. You were like a master builder doing it in the dark, creating me with power. And you know everything about my life, what it's going to be. But there's a little phrase in here that I'm going to want to close us out on. Notice what it says. And in your book, they all were written the days fashioned for me. And what I want to close this message with is a simple encouragement. My friends, you and I, we need to be written in God's book. Now, what he's saying here is that no matter who you are, no matter where you've been on the journey, where you find yourself today, that God knows already how long you're going to live, what your life is going to entail. So what, what that means is when you pray, you don't have to fill God in on all the details as if like God was sleeping on the recliner. Like he knows all of this. Like God wasn't like taking a nap, missed that whole season. You'd be like, listen, Lord, just so you know, they said this to me and they said this. No, no, he knows what they said, right? He knows all that stuff. And I'm here to tell you, your life, God knows already the days that you have. Long days, short days, days full of struggle, days of blessing. He knows all the details. And I love that about the Lord. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel closed out this message by urging you to consider if your name is written in God's book the book of life. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are secure in Him and you'll spend eternity with the Lord instead of separated from Him. You see, none of us are the best possible version of ourselves who always do exactly the right thing in every situation. We need Jesus to cover over our failures and our brokenness. So, put your faith and trust in Jesus and say yes to Him today. Let Him write your name in His book. 
Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will continue traveling through Psalm chapter 139. God wants to give you a new way of seeing the world so that you can make space in your heart and life to live differently. You'll see how he does this when you consider his thoughts. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Radiant. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radiant.